This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Praise the Lord. Good morning. How are we today? Yeah, I love it. I, 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 love, I, I love Sundays, for one. Wow, I love seeing all your faces out there, too. This is great. People are coming back from vacations. People are uh, coming back from hunting. Uh, I, I, love, I love October because October is the new September. Uh, I don't know if you realize that or not, but September has become the old August, and vacation just kind of drags on and summertime just drags on. And now we're in October and we're like starting, starting off the fall. Great, because you're here. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're able to start because you're here. We are. This, this, this is exciting. We uh, just been able to, we just finished up our, our series last week. Our, our one series about who we are as a church. This is us, and I encourage you, if you weren't part of those sermons, would you go back and listen to them? Uh, they're going to identify who you are and who you want to be and who you should strive to be. But today, we began a brand new series called Above and Beyond. Turn to your neighbor and say, Above and Beyond. Above and Beyond. I, you know, I mean, if you're a, 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 can't think of its name, Toy Story, what's his Buzz Lightyear, there we go. Uh, if you're a Buzz Lightyear fan, you're going to go to infinity and beyond. Today, we want to talk about the above and beyond, this concept. I love this time of year. I love this time of year. As I woke up yesterday morning, and it was brisk outside, and the sky was clear and blue. Can I tell you, there's nothing more gorgeous in Oregon when the sky is blue, amen? And I got up, and I'm like going, ah, oh, I am jazzed today. I just want to be outside. I went for my walk, uh, four-mile walk as it is, and the sun was gorgeous. The air felt great. I love this time of year. Now, if it would have been raining yesterday, I wouldn't be able to say that, right? I would be up here going, can you believe that it's raining? No, I'm actually a little bit, Franny, don't, don't, don't get too excited back there, but I'm a little bit excited for the rain this year. And, uh, but I love fall. I, I love, I love fall. I love apple spice donuts, Right? I mean, just saying, I love, uh, I don't love pumpkin spice coffees, even though uh, I have staff that has fallen to the dark side for that. But um, <laughs> she's even convinced Allie that was my partner in crime. Now she's like gone to the dark side. But you know what's, do you know what's coming? What's coming this fall? Christmas is coming. Yeah. How many are ready for Christmas already? I, my wife is always ready for Christmas, and I know she's fonching at the bit to set up her Christmas decorations, but we're still in fall, right? You know, so, so uh, but anyway, but I, also, the, but I also love this time of year because I love our, our, our project that we do every single year is we talk about above and beyond giving. The ability to be able to step in and do something beyond ourselves. This ability to do something that's great and mighty and powerful. That's not just going to impact you or me. It's going to impact someone outside of this building. And I love this time of year for that very fact. I love to be able to see, even though it makes me a little bit nervous, even though there's this challenge that's there and, and we can set a goal and I can go, can we reach it? And it happens almost every single year. What I love to see is God's faithfulness in your life and he begins to speak to you and you participate and I participate in what we're able to do together. What I realize and I love is that it's not me doing this alone or you doing this alone. It's us coming together to go, I'm part of this. I'm part of this equation. 
RLC is once again, we're taking on an opportunity to practice and engage in this heart of generous giving. Over the years, we as a community, we've given multiple years in a row, uh, 50 some thousand dollars at a time uh, in generous and above and beyond giving initiatives that have demanded faith and sacrifice from each of us. But can I tell you, they're not just demanded faith and sacrifice, they've produced an amazing impact in the kingdom of God. They've they've impacted my life and they've impacted someone else's life. And that's what this is all about. This year, our above and beyond offering goal is to raise $35,000 between now and December 17th. And you're going, "Ah, can we do that? And I'm going to go, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. We have two areas that we want to focus on. First area, focus number one area is that we want to focus outward by supporting an initiative to further Chi Alpha ministry across the state of Oregon. Chi Alpha is a worldwide university-based ministry uh, that is on campuses around, we have some on on our Oregon campuses, but they're around, around the nation and they're there to minister to the next generation. They're there to influence with the kingdom of God. Uh, Oregon Ministry Network and Chi Alpha have partnered together with this venture and they've declared it one million for one million. One million dollars, I'm going to show you a video here in just a second, but one million dollars to impact one million students. And we're going to be part of that mission and that adventure. We're going to see God as he begins to raise and we're going to become part of what God's doing currently even in the state of Oregon. Focus number two, we're going to focus inward for the personal furthering of RLC's mission in this community. We're passionate about what God has called us to, and we know that technology is needed for generations to be reached. Amen? Not only are we looking at generations uh, in Oregon Ministry Network, we're looking at generations here at Relevant Life Church. So we're wanting to be able to figure out how do we further that technology and how do we bless bless our ministries here. You're going to hear more about that venture next week with a video, but I want to pause right now and let Christian um, Anderson, there we go, Christian Anderson introduce this topic to us. The state of Oregon is drifting away from Jesus. 36% of the people in this state claim no spiritual affiliation the second highest percentage for any state in the nation. Children, teens, and college students in Oregon are growing up in an increasingly secular culture. It is becoming less and less likely that young people in this state will ever hear a biblical message of Jesus Christ. Another statistic. According to a survey by the National Association of Evangelicals, 97% of people in the United States who decide to follow Christ make that decision before the age of 30. 97%! If someone is going to decide to follow Jesus, they are overwhelmingly more likely to make that commitment when they are young. As ministers, we cannot wait to prioritize young people. We have a responsibility to accelerate our efforts, to reach them now if we hope to welcome them into the kingdom of God. My name is Christian Anderson. As Chi Alpha Director for the State of Oregon, I coordinate the Assembly of God's mission to reach the university campus. On move-in day, whether a student grew up in church or they've only ever heard the name of Jesus used as a swear word, we want to welcome them with the hospitality of the gospel into a missional faith community on campus. It is our passion to see lost college students fall in love with Christ, 
to raise up Christian students for ministry and send them out equipped and empowered to follow Jesus' calling into our Oregon communities and around the world. Right now, the Chi Alpha Movement in Oregon has more momentum to reach new campuses than we have ever had before. We long to see a healthy, long-term, gospel-centered mission on every campus in the state. And to get there, we plan to establish ministry centers near seven strategic campuses. These ministry centers will be a home away from home for students, places where Christian community, personal discipleship, and friendship-style evangelism can thrive. Through these ministry centers, we will empower Chi Alpha teams to pioneer new campuses in Oregon. We will equip network churches to reach young people. We will send missionaries into the marketplace and we will raise up foreign workers who will go to the ends of the earth. There are roughly one million people in Oregon under the age of 21. For each of these young people, we are asking you to help us raise $1 to invest in these ministry centers. The money raised will be used three ways. First, for a down payment on a new ministry center. Second, it will enable us to fully purchase the one we currently use, the Haven. Third, it will establish a fund that will put Chi Alpha in the financial position to purchase more ministry centers as we expand to new campuses throughout the state. We're asking for a million for a million in faith that God will multiply what we give. The young people of today need our help to become the faithful, discerning, Christ-centered church leaders of tomorrow. Join us as we accelerate the now. I love this. A million for a million. I don't know about you, but I think about a million dollars and I go, that's impossible, but together it's possible. When we think about all the churches across the state of Oregon, all of the Assembly of God churches, I should say, uh, I, I look at this concept, I look at what we get to invest in, and I see this opportunity to not just in investing in now, but to invest in generations to come. I know that there are people in this congregation right now that have been, that were students years ago at one of these universities that we have Chi Alpha at. I don't know if Chi Alpha impacted your life then, but can I tell you that those schools have stuck around and students are continuing to come and they need to be touched. I think about one million students under the age of 21 years old that do not know Jesus. Think about it. Think about this opportunity, not just for today, but this opportunity of your investment that we get to participate in, not just for today, but tomorrow and the generations to come that's gonna outlive a legacy of your life and go on further. Two maps that I want to show you real quickly. Uh, this is where we are currently right now that we have three current uh, Chi Alpha ministries, two in our, in our state schools as well as uh, the Lynn Benton County Community College. But their dream, their vision is this next slide. Go ahead and go to this one. Go to the next, right here. This is, this is all of the locations of community colleges and public, college, public schools around our state of Oregon. And what we're participating in is, yes, is, is to impact with, with, with homes to community centers, but this is also to empower them to, be, to, to make a presence known on every campus in the state of Oregon. Can you imagine what would happen if every campus were to encounter the love of Jesus? Can you imagine what would happen in the generation of this, of this generation that's searching for meaning and purpose, and they were actually able to find hope and purpose in Jesus Christ. That's this mission that we get to participate in. I just recently heard a story about a couple who walked into the bar at 
the Ritz-Carlton uh, Marina del Rey, California. Ritz-Carlton is known for their above and beyond surface service to make dreams come true for anybody. They charge a price that's huge, but they also are there to serve. This couple were, as they came into the bar, they were wearing Hawaiian shirts, although it was a gray, dreary, drizzly day outside. The bar was empty, and they sat down at the counter, and Fran, the bartender, approached them for their order and interaction, and she was so curious about, why in California are you wearing Hawaiian shirts? So in her professional form of social interaction that she's been trained to do, she began to ask questions to find out why they were wearing these shirts. And after they were served their drinks, they grimly toasted one another and said, we're on our honeymoon. We were actually supposed to be in the Ritz-Carlton Kapalua on West Maui. They've been planning this since they had gotten engaged, but weeks before their wedding, her husband was diagnosed with a grim form of cancer. A prognosis that would surely end in a shorter life than he anticipated. So they pivoted very quickly because the breakthrough treatment was in LA and they booked the room at this Ritz-Carlton. Fran, hearing this news, she made herself scarce and she went to the front desk and informed her general manager of this story. And at that point, they went into a full-blown Ritz-Carlton service mode. They call them wow moments. They are trained to look for wow moments to serve their customers. This means that all hands on deck, they go into the prop closet of corporate events and they found decorations for a recent luau event and they found anything and everything Hawaiian and they rushed it to their room and they decorated their room in this Hawaiian theme. They scavenged through the drawer of the front desk and they che at the check-in and they found that there was a key actually to the Hawaiian Ritz-Carlton that they were supposed to be at. The general manager put on Hawaiian shirt and coded the key to their room and went and met them in the bar and said, your bill has been paid and here is the key card to your new room. When they went up to their room, they found an igloo cooler full of beach sand with a, which said, here is your private Hawaiian beach getaway. For the remainder of their stay, every person on staff greeted them with aloha and did everything they could to make them feel like they were in Hawaii. Can I tell you, that's above and beyond service. That's the wow moments of life. And what I want today in this concept is I want to invite you into a wow moment. I want to invite you into an opportunity that would not happen without your participation. An opportunity that you get to go, no, I get to be part of this wow moment. I get to be part not just of today, but generations to come. I get to be a part of this above and beyond serving and giving. This word above and beyond, this term, is actions or behavior that exceed. Everyone say exceed. Exceed what is required and expected. And oftentimes we're going to come back and go, well, what's required of me? What's expected of me? And I'm not going to take a lot of time this morning to go back into Scripture to tell you what God's Word tells us about expectations and requirements when it comes in, cohort, when it comes, uh, in relationship to our giving. But God does have expectations, and He does have requirements. If you are a Christ follower today, that does not, it, doesn't, it doesn't skip past you. And if you want more information, we'll be dialoguing that in weeks to come as well. 
But this idea of extra mile service or behavior that goes beyond what is expected or going above and beyond this minimum requirement, can I tell you that it's a biblical principle? It's a biblical principle. Jesus in in his own way in Matthew chapter 5 said this, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, go with me too. Go with me too. Go with me the extra mile. Live above and beyond. Many of us don't even understand the context of this, but what you have to realize is that in this culture, in this time, the Romans were in rulership. The Romans were governing. The Romans were the ones that were in control of everything that was taking place. And there was a law that declared that a Roman could come up and tap you on the shoulder, regardless of who you were, and say, I need you to carry my armor, my stuff for a mile. It was a requirement. You couldn't say, no, I don't feel like it. No, sorry. No, it was a law. Anybody here feel the tension if someone comes up and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, it's a law. You have to carry my stuff. What's, your, what, what's, what's going to happen inside? You're going to go, what the crap? Who do you think you are? You carry my stuff. This was not a law that was retroactive. A Jew could not do this to a Roman. It was only a Roman that could do this to a Jew. It was a subjectifying act. And here Jesus comes as he is always counterculture. He goes, rather than counting your steps and resenting every step that you've taken until you've met the mile, why don't you go two miles? This concept that is above and beyond. Today I want to talk about this power of going above and beyond, this going the extra mile. I'll say this is a concept that is deeply rooted in our faith. It's deeply rooted in God's word. When we step back, we can see that there are above and beyond miracles all throughout the Old and New Testament. Just a few of them. Elisha, who multiplied the oil for the widow. He didn't just give her enough for the day. He gave her enough to pay off all of her debts and to sustain her family. The Good Samaritan. He didn't just come and go, hey, let me pray for you. He goes, no, let me bandage your wounds. Let me carry you to a hotel. Let me pay all of your expenses. And let me make sure that you are okay I'm going to cover it all free and clear. We see the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus didn't just come and give them a little bit. They ate until they were full. They had a smorgasbord of food, and they were like full by the time they ended. And it was not only were they full, God came and said, or the disciples went and they gathered 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Can I tell you, that's above and beyond The story of the prodigal son. He didn't just receive his father's forgiveness and become back a slave for him. No, his father came out and said, I want to to restore you to full sonship. Not only are you fully my son, but I'm also going to give you my ring again, and I'm going to give you a robe, and I'm going to kill a fatted calf, and I'm going to celebrate you. Can I talk about above and beyond? We just celebrated this morning communion, the ultimate sacrifice where the king of kings The son of God came from heaven to earth. He didn't just show up in a manger to be born and live his life. No, he lived for 33 years knowing that there was a mission before him that was going to demand above and beyond. As he was persecuted, as he was beaten, as he was hung on that cross, he died for you and for me. Not just the generation that existed, but every generation following That today we can come and we can celebrate this above and beyond God that we serve. This above and beyond act that Jesus performed for you and I. That today we don't live for forgiveness. We live from forgiveness. 
We don't serve God because we're striving for forgiveness. He's already forgiven us. And my desire this morning for my life, for your life, for our life, is that we would be a congregation known as people who live above and beyond. People who give above and beyond, who look outside of our small little worlds and say, there's a world bigger than me, who are willing to step into an adventure to go, no, God, it's going to take faith. Yes, God, it does feel like challenge. It is going to take sacrifice. But God, I want to live beyond myself. What's difficult is that we live in a world that's filled with needs bigger than our lives, but we also live in this world that's impacted by and shaped by the sinful nature of what about me? I don't know how many would be honest if I were to even ask the question, but I would like you to consider it. How many are thinking, as Pastor Kevin is talking about this this morning, well, what about me? What about my finance? What about my already my commitments? What about my bills? Pastor Kevin, don't you realize that gas has gone up? Don't you realize that water's gone up? Don't you realize the economy is different? Can I tell you that we don't, we, we're, we're not in need of more self-care. We're not in need of more concern about ourselves. I really believe that what needs to happen is we need to come and we hear this to go, how can I make a difference in someone else's life? How can I make a difference? As you're sitting there and you're thinking about your life rather than going, God, I need, what if you were to step back and go, God, how can I make a difference in someone else's life? Sacrificial living, sacrificial giving, this above and beyond generosity mindset, just talking about it creates tension. It creates tension, especially in an economy where there's such great demand for all that we have. But can I tell you today, my heart's desire, my prayer as the shepherd of Relevant Life Church, as your pastor, someone who cares about you, is that you would take the next few weeks, that you would even allow this morning for the Holy Spirit to come in and transform your thinking and your perspective. To transform you to cause you to see things in a different light. The reality is this. Giving is one of our greatest privileges as Christ followers. Giving is one of our greatest privileges. But can I counter it? Giving is one of our greatest challenges. And the only way you will ever overcome this challenge of giving is as you allow God to transform your thinking as he thinks. to give above and beyond what we normally would give, what is expected of us. Today, you have to choose to do more than what you're currently doing. If you're a tither, a 10% person of your income, then you need to begin there. If, if, you tithe, if you're not, if, you're, if you do tithe, then you need to venture out. Jesus said, when you give, there was an expectation that you would give. It was expected and it was required. So I ask you today, the question, the title of my message, what happens when I give? What happens when I give? Many times we look at the idea of giving, of going, what do I get if I give, right? What's going to come back into my life? But I want to tell you today that when you give, you set into motion supernatural events. We talk about this concept of cause and effect, 
that there's a cause that you, that you stepped in or something happened and it perpetuated into something else. Can I tell you today that when you give, when you drop your money into the offering plate or in the green box or give it online, whether that's your tithes, your offerings, or above and beyond, you set into motion something supernatural. Yes, it does impact your life, but I want to look at what it does outside of you. Today, number one, when I give, I fulfill purpose. Purpose, this reason, the reason for which something is done or created. Can I tell you that across America today, whether you're young or you're old, whether you're college or you're high school, whether you're an adult, whether you're an old person, you're coming back and going, what is my purpose? Can I tell you that when you give, you fulfill purpose? There's a stark difference between fulfilling your purpose for yourself or fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I think we spend so much time in our lives pursuing this purpose outside of us to go, I've got to do what I've got to do so I can fulfill my purpose. There's this battle that's raging between heaven and hell, between God and Satan over your purpose today. I don't know if you realize it or not, but he is looking and he, Satan is looking to go, how can I defeat Christians from fulfilling purpose? I'm going to give you a simple answer. If he has kept you from giving to God, he's defeated your purpose. If he's kept you from serving, he's defeated your purpose. Not only is there this spiritual battle, but there's this inner battle between our sinful nature and our godly nature. Because my sinful nature doesn't always want to give, but my godly nature does. My sinful nature comes back and says, what about me? My godly nature says, well, what about, what difference can I make? Can I tell you, it's, Paul said, I do what I don't want to do, and what I don't want to do, I do. Paul, this follower of Christ that loved God, he realized that there is this battle, and today there is a battle going on for your purpose this morning. But I can tell you this, I believe that God has given desire to everyone to live with purpose. I believe that he's given desire that every generation would make an impact one way or another on this planet. But it comes back and says, but we oftentimes entertain it by going, I, I'm gonna, I have to fabricate my purpose. I have to fabricate my impact when God just says, I want you to make impact for me. The psalmist comes in Psalms 57 too, makes this prayer. He says, I cry out to the God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I don't know about you. How many have ever endeavored to fulfill your purpose for you? There is such a stark difference when you come and you begin to pray, God, I need you to fulfill your purpose for me. God, what is your purpose? What is your calling for me? He's coming and saying, God, there is a purpose that I see, but God, you are the one that can do it all. Making deliberate choices as you line up your life for him. God has put you here for a reason. God's put you here for a season. And you can either fulfill your purpose or you can fulfill his purpose. I think of a statement that I learned as a young boy in Lutheran confirmation. Man's chief end or purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Your goal, who you've called to be, is to glorify God and to find enjoyment in him. Not any of that is a self-focus. Not any of that is about you. It's going, God, I give you everything. And I ask you today, 
If you were to ask yourself that question, am I glorifying God with my life and am I enjoying what I get to do for him? Am I glorifying him by how I serve and how I give and how I pray? Am I glorifying him by how I live? Is it a drudgery? Is it a religious motion? Or is there an enjoyment that comes? Can I tell you, when you do it the way God wants you to do it, you find excitement. You're able to come this morning just like I am and going, I can't wait to give. Why? Because God enjoys it and I find enjoyment in God. Your purpose in creation is about partly being created to give. Your part, giving is part of your spiritual DNA. God is a giver and you are created in the image of God and therefore you were created to give. Your purpose in creation was to be a giver, a giver of worship to God, a giver of service to God and to others, a giver of tithes and offerings to God, not only to give, but also to live a generous above and beyond life, to be a giver of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We weren't created to be served, but to serve. Jesus comes and says, it's countercultural. Can I tell you that giving is a reflex of love? If you love, you will give. For God so loved the world that he gave. It was a reflex of his love. If you love your spouse, you're not keeping track of what they're doing. You're giving because you love. It's a reflex. It's something that comes out of your life. If you say you love God, what is the reflex of your love for him? To show up to church once every six months? To give a tip once in a while? No, your reflex of love to God is to go, God, I want to give you all my life. God, all that I have belongs to you. God, I want to bless you. I want to honor you. God is part of my purpose. Not only do I give to fulfill purpose, I give. When I give, I become a conduit of blessing. I become a conduit of blessing. Genesis chapter 12, I love the story of Abraham, the call of Abraham. If I had time, I could, I could chase a rabbit today and talk about this, this amazing individual who left everything for God, who left everything for God and in response to him, leave it everything. God comes and says this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. All, the, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. As I read this statement in our American culture today, I'm coming back going, oh, I just want blessed because I want people to know my name. Can I tell you, Abraham's never, never his focus was about him. His focus was what he got to do to be part of God's story. Blessing was never intended to be self-contained or kept for yourself. How many realize that you're blessed this morning? How many realize that you're blessed this morning? Would you just pause right now and would you come up with five things in your mind of things that you're blessed with? What are five, five areas? Many times we don't stop and we don't think. We don't consider our life a blessing. I want to tell you today, those blessings that you are counting, those blessings that you are naming are not things that you have done for yourself. They've come from the Father above. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes down from the Father above. 
Everything that you have in your life that is good is from him. We are blessed to be a blessing. We can either be a conduit or we can be a container. Can I tell you the enemy of being a conduit is this container mindset to go, well, no, I've got to contain the blessing. I've got to keep the blessing. A conduit is meant to flow through while a container is meant to store. How many of us sit around today going, I'm storing up my blessings? I've received. Can I tell you what happens when you store up blessings? They grow stagnant. Because God never intended to bless you for you to keep it to yourself. The principle that we see in scripture, the principle is that you would be a conduit, that as he pours in, you would pour out, and therefore there's this consistent flow of blessing in your life. People come back and go, well, Pastor Kevin, I haven't received a blessing for a while, and I want to say, have you contained your past blessings, so therefore you're not receiving new blessings? Have you, have you plugged up the drain, so no longer is it flowing through your life? Paul comes in Philippians chapter 2, He's comparing our lives to Jesus, and he says in two, verse 2, he says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing. Everyone say nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I don't know about you. I could stop right there, and we could preach an entire verse on just our entire sermon just on that phrase. How many do things out of selfish ambition? Paul's coming and saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or, uh, ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. You're having relationship problems. Maybe you step back and go, am I valuing them above myself? You're having a marriage problem. Maybe, uh, am I valuing them above myself? It says, not looking to your own interests, but the interests of each other. When was the last time you truly stepped back to go, I'm going to value someone above myself? When was the last time you stepped back to go, no, it's not about the blessing to contain it, but how can I allow that blessing to flow through my life? Just as electricity flows through the wires in a conduit, God's blessing need a conduit to flow through to people. You come back and you say, well, Pastor Kevin, can't God just do? Yeah, God can, but God chooses to use you. How many have been a recipient of a blessing because someone else gave to you? Come on, raise your hand around this room. All of us in this room have been a recipient of a blessing. Yes, it's through, from God, but it was through somebody else. God's blessings are meant to be rich, bountiful, and sufficient in times of need. But they were never meant to be hoarded. They were never meant to be going, oh, well, look at, look at all that I get. We've often heard this phrase, reap what you sow when considering blessings. But I would ask you this, what if we are to sow what we reap? What if what comes into our life, what we're reaping, that we turn around and go, I'm going to give it. That you're this conduit that, yes, it's flowing through your life. He not only wants to bless us, but he also wants his blessings to continue on through us to others. I think of this cultural statement, pay it forward. How many have heard the statement, pay it forward? Can I tell you that you and I are recipients today of a God who's paid it forward? Of a Jesus who paid it forward? He died on the cross once and for all, not every single day. He paid it forward for your sin. He paid it forward for your eternal salvation. 
Today, we think of this concept of paying it forward, and I've been a recipient of paying it forward. I've never been one that has started it. Anybody, I don't know if you've ever we started the whole concept, but I've been through Starbucks multiple times, and I get up to the window to pay, and they're going, well, you've already, uh, the, per- the car in front of you paid for your drink, and you're going, oh, crap, I should have ordered more. <laughs> Be honest. Anybody out there? Dude, why did I just buy one coffee? I should have bought a lemon loaf and I should have bought a da 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 right? But can I tell you, I'm confronted at that moment to receive the blessing and to end the blessing or to receive the blessing and to perpetuate the blessing, right? This concept of paying it forward, you and I today, we can start something and we can perpetuate something and we can also end something. Today, as you and I sit, whether you're at East Campus or you're going to be at South Campus, we sit here from a generation that has paid it forward. These buildings that we own, this property that we possess, have been paid forward for you and I to sense the blessing. Can I tell you what alarms me, what concerns me? Is I'm not just living for Kevin and my generation. I'm not just living for my kids' generation. I'm not even just living for my, great, my grandkids' generation. But I'm alarmed today in our American culture to go, what is it that we're paying forward for the next generations to come? Are we just reaping the blessing and going, oh, contain it, we got it. Are you beginning to live your life to go, no, I got to pay it forward? When I give, I become a conduit of blessing. When I give, I gain kingdom perspective. Perspective, a mental attitude, a mental view towards something. Have you ever had a mindset and something happened and it changed your mindset? Something happened in your life, you received a blessing or you got, and all of a sudden the light bulb came on? Today I'm asking, Holy Spirit, would you turn the light bulb on? Today we have the power of this thing called the mind of Christ. Am I correct? Dr. Tony Evans says this, the only way that you and I will be able to see life with clear vision is when you and I view all of life from a kingdom perspective. Not an earthly perspective, not a Kevin perspective, not a Rhonda perspective, not my generation perspective but a kingdom perspective. Can I tell you the kingdom perspective is before you and after you. The kingdom perspective is higher than you and is lower than you. The kingdom perspective is all encompassing. And our challenge today is not to come back and go, well, how is it going to impact me? It's going, how is it going to impact the kingdom? Paul says in Colossians chapter three, verse two, he says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. What stops us? from accomplishing above and beyond living is our minds are set on here, not there. We're set on our needs and, our, and all of our concerns and all of our cares rather than going, God, I need your mind today. Salvation changes our allegiance. Salvation changes this idea from an old creation to a new creation. Today, we have been given the mind of Christ. And I ask you today, are you thinking out of the mind of Christ Are you thinking out of your old mind of what you thought was? Can I tell you what our problem is today, even if you've been saved for 35 years, 37 years, 60 years, however long, that we are caught up in our old way of thinking still. 
And our challenge is to put on the mind of Christ, to consider how he thinks, to set our minds on things that are above. This shift in perspective is what Jesus brought through salvation to reorder our thinking. He created each of us for this purpose. And when we resist the purpose, uh, uh, when we resist this purpose, we are actually resisting his righteousness. When we resist his mind, we're resisting saying, my mind's better than yours. My mind's right and your mind's wrong. When you hear the topic of giving and tithe and money, does it bring joy to your life or does it bring anxiety to your life? Does it bring stress? When you hear about an opportunity like this, does it excite you to be part of or does it resent, do you resent it that Pastor Kevin's asking for money? Can I tell you, your reaction to the topic of money reveals the mind that you're in. Your reaction, your perspective reveals the mind that you're in because the mind of Christ is the mind that says, I'm above and beyond. The mind of Christ says, I'm a conduit. The mind of Christ says, I'm a blesser. I'm a giver. I'm the one that has all things. When I give, I gain kingdom perspective. Lastly, this morning, when I give, I partner with God in his mission. I love this, partner. Everyone say partner. partner. Two people united in relationship and engaged together for the same action and the same purpose. I ask you this question this morning. Is God our partner or are we his partner? And I'm going to come back and say Yes. Yes, but we must remember whose mission it is that we're on. This mission didn't originate with you and I. This mission originated with the heart of God from the very beginning of creation. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he spoke everything to existence. And he says, I'm gonna create man and I'm gonna create woman that they would walk in relationship with me. That was the heart of God the mission of God. When we talk about this concept of partnering and mission with God, it's not us that created heaven and earth. It's not us that created mankind. It's not us that created ourselves. It's not us that has given us the blessings and the money that we have. It's not us that has bought our house and bought our cars. And we come back, well, Pastor Kevin, I've worked hard. Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the brains? Audrey Manning, a missionary that I, Rhonda and I loved and adored. I think I've butchered her statement, but this is the gist. Her statement was this, I wake up every morning not asking God to bless my actions and my endeavors, but I wake up asking God, what are you doing? And what do you have for me to do to further what you are doing? Can I tell you that's partnering with God? I'm guilty of saying, God, I need you to partner with me. God, would you bless what I'm doing today? And God's going, I would bless it if you would just do what I'm doing. You don't even have to ask for me to bless it because I'm just going to bless it because it's what I'm doing. Can I tell you that many times we get on our knees and we're stressing and striving for God's blessing and God's going, if you would just join me, I'm already blessing it. If you just get on the same page with me, I've already made a way. Philippians chapter one, Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I pray, I make my request uh, for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. God has given 
humanity this incredible gift of partnership, this incredible ability to be able to partner for his kingdom. Paul realized that without the partnership of the Philippians, he would never be able to accomplish the mission that he was set on. He said, well, God called him. Yes, God called him, just like God's calling you and I. But can I tell you, God did not call you to do a solo act. God called you to be part of something. This idea of biblical partnership is, is about what God can do through us together as we work for a common focus. We believe that God works to fulfill our vision as a church through partnership. Today, when I come and I think about Relevant Life Church, connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world, it's beyond Kevin. It's beyond five people. It takes us, all of us stepping in to go, no, God, I want to connect with you. I want to relate to people. And God, I want to reach my world. It's a partnership. It's an agreement. In order for us to accomplish this task, we have to work at it together. Today, we partner with ministries in Salem to accomplish this mission. Today, we partner with the missions program, the Assemblies of God, to accomplish this mission. Today, we are given an opportunity to partner with the Oregon Ministry Network to raise a million for a million. Because without us, they can't do it. And without them, we can't do it. I think I have the facts correct. Jeremy can nod or shake his head, but I think we're right, we have right around $900,000 pledged for this moment, for this movement. This just came out in May or April. We have $900,000 pledged of the, of the $1 million. Currently, I think there's right around 200,000 that's already been turned in. Can I tell you, that's partnership. And we're part of that. Significant, we're part of that. And I ask you today, what's your role in this partnership? Each of us have been given something. What I realize that in the role of the church, if you aren't participating in serving or giving, something's missing. But if you are participating, you're making us successful because you're partnering with us. Partnering with God by giving is not just an idea. Is constantly taking a step. Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter 11 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Can I tell you right there, that's the conduit principle in action. That if you've been given and you give freely, God's gonna pour more into your life. I've realized, Ron and I have realized in our lives that we wanna be a conduit. And God just continues to bless us. Pastor Kevin, do you never have problems? No, we got issues. We got challenges. No, the economy is impacting my life as it impacts your life. But I can tell you this, there's an assurance that as God gives and I pour through, he's gonna take care of all the rest. God gives so that he can give through you. God gives to you so that he can give through you. Let's go to the very last slide, or the slide about motives for giving. I wanna ask you real quickly today. Things I have to ask myself as I close today. Motives for my giving. I give because I love God. How, why is it that you give? I give because I wanna walk in relationship to God's word. 
I give because I want to carry out the mission of God. I give because I realize that I have been blessed and I want to bless others. And I give because I believe that God honors his promises. That as I give, he's going to rebuke the devourer in my life. That as I give, he's going to bless me more. As I give, he's going to provide for everything I have need of. I don't have to sit and worry about it. Yes, now my human mind, when I don't have the mind of Christ, I can get stressed and anxious. Anybody out there? I'm going, God, how am I going to make ends meet? But can I tell you this? When you step into God and you're giving with the right motive, you're trusting God to go, God, I know as I honor you, you're going to honor all the rest. Bethany would always say it's God math. As you give, God's always going to multiply the rest of it to make, it, make ends meet. How many have discovered that in your life? Today, I've gone a little long and I apologize. Lost track of where I was at. Today, I'm asking you, will you give? Will you give? I want to remind you it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Not everyone can give equally, but all of us can give. What's the something that you can give? What is it that God's speaking to your heart? This above and beyond giving opportunity begins today and goes through December 17th. It's very easy. You're going to follow on this next slide here. You can go to the next one there. And you can see all of the giving opportunities of how to do so. The QR code and all those things. We ask, we ask a favor. If you would go on and you would fill out a pledge form so that we know where we're at and where we're tracking so we know how to monitor what's happening. Did you make a pledge to go, this is what we're going to give. This is what we want to do. And then by December 17th that you would turn that in. Today, I want to thank you for all the years past of your faithfulness. I don't know if you realize it, but we've impacted generations to come with our above and beyond giving in the past. Beyond what we've even touched on, beyond what we're going to touch on. And today, as we give, as we join partnership in this, we're impacting universities and community colleges around the state of Oregon, students, a million students below 21 that need the hope of Jesus. Would you lift your hands today? Maybe stand to your feet and lift your hands. Let's do it that way. Get you kind of out of your comfort zone. God, today, as we lift our hands before you, we thank you that you are a God of provision, that you are a God of blessing. God, I pray that you'd help us to be a people that recognize the blessings in our lives and come true to the fact that you have blessed us. And God, today I pray, speak to our hearts about what it is we should do. God, we don't want to just make a fleshly decision, a mindset decision of my, my will or someone else's will, but God, we want a God decision. God, we put on the mind of Christ this morning, and the mind of Christ is a generous mind. The mind of Christ is above and beyond mind. The mind of Christ is a mind that calls us to faith and calls us to sacrifice. And God, today I pray, God, I believe that you can bring in the $35,000, but you can even bring in above and beyond $35,000. God, we've watched it time and time again. 
So God, today we ask for your blessings. We ask for your open door. We ask God that we would be conduits. God, would you change our mindset? May we gain a kingdom perspective. God, bless your people. Pour out favor upon your people. God, that they would turn around and bless your kingdom. God, thank you for them. And everyone said, amen and amen. Our prayer team is coming. Would you come and let them pray for you if you have need? God bless you. Lots of activities coming around the corner. Come and participate. God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.